With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ireland carry out an attempted murder at Lords. MS Dhoni swaps blue for camo and the ICC interfere with Zimbabwe's political interference. And everything just gets even muddier. Steaming in from the nursery end, this is the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. Welcome to the Gorilla Cricket Podcast, recorded from a sultry London, shortly after the end of day two of England's only test against Ireland at Lords. I'm your host, Knuckle M. Pandey, and I'm joined in the sauna, birch twigs and wet towels at the ready, by Marshall St. Patrick Hewitt. I'm here, I'm back, thank you all. And our technical director, Nigel the Bear Walker. Hello all. Welcome, friends. So our topics for discussion this week... A little talk about where this test match is going and uh, where this test match has gone between England and Ireland at Lords. We'll be covering uh, Zimbabwe's suspension from the ICC from all ICC tournaments and the funding freeze. Marshall and Patrick Hewitt has more on that and we'll discuss whether MS Dhoni is being given a gentle, dignified exit rather than a public dropping. But uh, first two events at Lords Yesterday, England bowled out for 85, their shortest ever test innings at home ripped apart having won the toss and chosen to bat on a green top but on uh, a glorious sunny day at Lords. Mark Adair took three for Boyd Rankin took two for but the day belonged to the Lambeth Larwood uh, Timothy James Murter. It's Tim Murtagh He bowls it fast It's Tim Murtagh And finally he gets to play a test at last or indeed get to play a test at Lords. 291 first-class wickets at Lords, more than anyone else in the 21st century before yesterday. And he's added to that to the tune of six over the last couple of days. England did fight back on day two with Jack Leach very nearly becoming the first English night watchman to score a test 100. He made 92. Jason Roy made a curious first test 50. And uh, Sam Curran, in typical Sam Curran fashion, threatened to 
extend his deal with the devil and take the game away from Ireland. But uh, Ireland trailing by 181, need just one more wicket to make to uh, wrap up the England second innings. We could have a real game on our hands. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I think it, 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 it's it's closer. So it's about evens, maybe odds slightly in favour of England. You think uh, with Ireland having to, you know. Uh, get over the line and get those runs to win it I'm sure they'll be nervous and they only got 200 in the first innings England batted poorly in the first innings terribly good bowling to be fair but still really poor I don't know what was up with them I mean a lot of people say body language is pretty poor I know you don't like the idea of it being a warm up for the Ashes but I, I think mentally a lot of them see it that way they're expected to win I think you know I'm not putting Ireland down here I just think England think they're a better side and they probably expected to walk it this is always a bad thing to do. We know, uh, you know, I've watched England for many, many a year. We are capable of the most almighty cock-ups, and you, this could be one of them. You can't take Test cricket lightly at any stage against any opposition. Like, Tim Murtagh is a seriously dangerous prospect uh, in conditions that he knows really, really well. And look, a team bowls well against a team who maybe weren't quite at the races. I thought England were taking this game a little bit lightly from from the outset, from it being a four-day Test to uh, to the selection. Um, like Stokes and Butler being rested like yes it's probably good for them to get a rest but I don't think they'd have been rested Mash and I don't know if you agree had this been the first test of the Ashes coming up a week after the World Cup I don't think Stokes and Butler would have been would have been resting yeah I've got I've got to agree with that and I've, I was literally just looking at the 11 again to remind myself there's so many different levels of argument for this like Bear, Bear's right so yes there's the the knock-on effect from the World Cup and I do believe that as a sports uh, man, man in this sense um, you can emotionally be spent particularly given the, the, the journey the England players had to go on in the World Cup but that 11 and given the ridiculous circumstances of the final yes but the 11 who are playing in this test match five of them weren't even in in the World Cup so I'm not sure how much I buy the idea that it should have had an impact on them. Well, funnily enough, the five that you mentioned who weren't in the World Cup seem to be playing the best out of the England side. So I, I, I think that kind of, to mm. a certain degree, uh, with the exception of, with the, the, the exception of Rory Burns, with who's only averaging Burns, in the mid thirties yeah. in the county championship this year, and uh, his, idiot, his his moving parts have, are moving more now than they were <laughs> even against the West Indies. Yeah, but I mean, Sam Curran wasn't playing in the one, uh, you know. Uh, was on the fringes possibly certainly his brother was in the squad he, he was possibly a mention for the World Cup missed out he's played a pretty good hand here uh, well, Jack Leach I mean fucking hell he's got 92 <laughs> that's a night watchman that's pretty good going he hasn't had a lot of chance to bowl when he did actually he was uh, quite easily sorted by Sturlow uh, who was in with him at the time Paul Balburnie. Phil, wasn't it? it was a Balburnie yeah just kept lap sweeping them there's not a lot pitch there's not a lot in the pitch for the spinners um, yeah, I but think they got a, they got a point to prove, and the others are just off the back of hey, we just won the World Cup, sweet, look at that, greatest game ever. Well, oh no, we're in a Test match as Ireland, it's four days at Lords. We've got the Ashes next week, and and actually, uh, if they are treating it as a warm up and they are thinking like that, then it's a bloody smack in the face and a big wake up call, which is probably what they need. Uh, England uh, competitive uh, cricket is hard. England as you say. Sh England shouldn't have needed this warm up call. Like, they they rested a few players against Scotland. Yes, it was a good team they put out against Scotland last year, but they they did lose that game Scotland played really well and, and won that game and kind of gave a big slap in the face to everyone who's wanting to re uh, restrict test cricket and cricket in general and we'll come on to that I'm sure when we come to talk about Zimbabwe they almost uh, slipped up against Ireland in Malahide earlier this year and 
you know, I've been saying I don't treat this as an Ashes warm-up, and that's um, partly because you know a Test match deserves respect, and an international cricket match deserves respect. You play it as a pro- you play it as the match. You play. Uh, you take it seriously or it comes back to bite you well yeah you say that and it, it's not just you know and we're not it, we're not we're not saying that England are phoning it in that's not how it works they're, no it's they're not professional but, athletes, I mean, there are plenty but of, we're talking know, two, if, three if percent. India were playing Ireland they would be the same if India were playing with Zimbabwe if England were playing with Zimbabwe at the current state they would feel the same you know there are teams that you play against you A expect to win and B you go we can change the team around I mean let's face it the, the team that England put out ain't that bad really uh, you know, it's a side that should beat Ireland, you'd have thought. Um, we discussed during play that the perennial problems of England, actually, that puts a lot of pressure on its batting lineup and has done for the last, what, two, three years, is the fact that look, now without Cook at the top of the order, the one, two and three are perennially open for discussion and no one's nailed down a place, which puts pressure on Root and four, five, six. Yeah, if I, those guys don't fire, you're in for a low score. And it's had a massive knock-on effect on Johnny Bairstow and Moen Ali, yeah, I think, uh, who are constantly in too early. Uh, you know, you talk about best of the fact he he does have this issue, and I know Mash, you're, you've been talking about this a lot about the fact you know he's constantly getting bowled through the gate. Yep. But it doesn't help if he's always in inside the first twenty overs. Yeah, I've got to I've got to agree with that. Um, but then, if we look wider than just this Test match, weren't the things that we're talking about? Weren't they the same things that we saw in the Caribbean yep. as well? The first yeah. two Test matches in the Caribbean, I felt England's at. Can't say, I hate it when we talk about sports and we go, oh, their attitude like we know. Well, I just felt like their body language was atrocious then as well. Like, like Test cricket is a walk in the park well, and you just have to turn up uh, and that's I, enough. There's one thing you have to say about England and the Caribbean. They went in after having been cock-a-hoop about winning three Tests away in Sri Lanka, went into a Test series in, in the West Indies where with two spinners in a Test match. Are you fucking uh, insane? Uh, well, I mean, actually, West Indies pitches for the last few years have been They've been less unfriendly to spinners than they have been to other types of bowlers. Yeah, Basically, they've been dead slow wickets. Well, exactly. They've been dead slow. So they're not really advantageous as a spinner. It's just, you know, it, they're just slow, slow, slow. But, I mean, the, the idea of going into an opening test match, when actually all the reports were as well that West Indies decided that they're going to get the big strong lads and they're going to make the pitch spicy and have been for the last year. And you went into the first test thinking, well, we're going to go in with two spinners. No, not to really to get that, but the West Indies didn't really have a, a decent spinner that they thought they could pick. So there's that element. Know. Well, yeah, there is. So they made their, regardless, they made their pitches uh, to the advantage of their bowlers, and we decided to ignore that, and we'll just put in two spinners. Anyway. Well, I'm, by the by, I think for me, obviously, as being, uh, I'm, I'm no England fan, but even I am flummoxed by, and I guess it, Knuckles right, in, or Bears, whoever said it, they won three 0 in Sri Lanka. So is it just that they're consistently inconsistent, or is it that? A failure to decide, or in fact, that's not to decide. A failure to have an established set, set top seven. Let's just say top seven, because I feel like everybody in the top seven can come in in any position, and that's so on like a test team. Well, they can, except for the top two, apart from the or, th- or possibly three. I mean, uh, again, we discussed this on air, but Root, I think, could, would would happily be number three if there was a particularly stable one and two uh, if we've been in the area now with Strauss uh, uh, Trescothic or Strauss and uh, Alistair Cook I don't think uh, Root in his current state of mind would have a problem coming in at number three because he would feel that 60% of the time those guys would wear off the new ball when he'd be coming out this brings us to, this brings us to a bigger point should it be his call in the same way that should it be Johnny Bairstow's call that I'm going to keep no matter what 
Interesting. Um, here's the skipper. He should have a call. I, th I do believe he should have a call. Uh, I, you know, uh, when Piggy Smith was in charge at Australia, he often batted at four, and that was his choice. I think probably for similar reasons. Kane Richardson's he about four. Well, Kane Williamson. Kane Williamson. Williamson. Yeah, Williamson about three. Yeah, um, yeah. Michael Clark used to always come in too low. Yeah, and he would justify it by the fact he averaged more at five than he did at four, which was true. Um, but a lot of that is because he was batting behind Ricky Ponting. Yeah. A lot of the time. Uh, was well, this is it. If you've got guys at the top who are going to take the shine off the ball and wear the bowlers down, you're obviously going to score more runs. And I think that's how Root feels. Uh, he, you know, I think he is England's best bat. Uh, maybe he's not as good as we all thought he was two or three years ago. He's fallible. That's the thing about Root. He is definitely fallible at the crease. I mean, he's, don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic batsman. Um, but sometimes it goes to his head. He plays too much around his front pad. Um, in a way, he got out this afternoon, going down a track and getting forced outside the off stump. Uh, and also in a final of the World Cup final which is, you, you don't see that, that was in a route. bizarre that innings. was bizarre you know that's very unroot like you know he's just got the patience of a saint um, and even if he's in a bad situation he backs himself it, to get out it wasn't the dismissal that I found bizarre with that it was the innings it was you never see Joe Root get stuck I know you never see that thing where Joe what happened in the World Cup final was Joe Root was unable to hit the ball off the square you don't see that from Root in one day cricket and look if it's a bad time to, to have a bad performance because England won. It probably won't get talked about that much. Um, but it well, was it's a good time to lose. If you're going to lose your first ever Test match to one and then be cock a hoop, you go, oh, fuck it, we just won the World Cup. But that's not how it works. But, I know but, it's but, not how it works, but, but it will do for some Let me some look fans. at the flip side because we're in Test cricket mode now. If England lose to Ireland but then win the Ashes, does it matter? No. And I think that's how they're going to For treat too it. many English fans, I think that's probably right. But, but it means that you don't take these things seriously. And, and it, should, yeah, and it also means it's, it's part of this attitude where, um, you know, there's the, there's the established closed club and then everything else. And it's part, well, part of that attitude which is fed into true. Uh, generations of cricket administrators, which means that we're in this position but where you've got the top eight playing the World Test Championship and then Afghanistan, Ireland and maybe Zimbabwe, well, probably maybe not Zimbabwe, uh, kind of left to play amongst themselves and kind of are in the club but aren't in the club. But let me ask you this. If Arsenal lost to Brentwood in a pre-season friendly... This isn't a pre-season friendly. Yeah, well, it it's a test match. No, no, it's not. Well, no, it's know, not. It's a similar sort of question. No, it's well, not. Well, you may say that, it's but a lot, of, a lot of people will compare it to that. But they're wrong. Well, I'm telling maybe. You they're, they're, well, they're, no, their opinion a, is no, they're, they're wrong. I've got better. It's Arsenal losing to a promoted team. Exactly. I've got a better analogy. If Arsenal... Lost to who came last in the uh, last Huddersfield. Year was Huddersfield. All right, if Arsenal lost to Huddersfield in the FA Cup but then won the league, no one would care. Yeah, so That's what you actually mean. But I'm with Knackle in that every test match should be treated as a top class test I, match. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you in principle and in my heart, but my head tells me that actually we all know that's not the way it is. This is kind of... The, we, we talked about this on comms. This is the flip side of the question. Would you rather win the World Cup or the Ashes? Other teams don't ask these questions of themselves. And oh, I think the, they do. I think, I think you... I, I know. I, I think you're wrong now. I think every team asks themselves this. I think every team around the world, whether it be... Especially the top... You know, England, Australia and India, they will say, fuck it, you know what? We're, we're away from home. We lost that series. Everyone at home's a bit disappointed. But we're going to win the next one and it won't really matter that much. You're a professional sportsman. You've got to be able to lose. And you, you don't like losing, but you, you have to accept that occasionally that happens. And occasionally it happens really badly. And that's just life. I think, too, I think that England 
massively makeable. I, 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 maybe I'm able to see this, uh, you know, like you, Mash, I'm not an England fan. You know, the Ashes takes on a position that it probably doesn't deserve, uh, a position of preeminence that uh, means that it dominates everything else um, to the extent that we get this, I think, slightly disrespectful attitude, not from, not I'm saying from you, but, um, but from a lot of people in the game. And we've had a few on on Twitter today who we've been arguing with and happy to do so look we're, we as guerrilla cricket you know we love cricket we love all cricket and we want to take it seriously and we want to see uh, the game grow and we want to see every team get as strong as it can and that doesn't happen when uh, the the general mood of, of cricket in England is the ashes comes first and everything else ah, is no. secondary oh, well the flip yeah whilst I am being quite flippant here but the truth is that this will be remembered, whether whether they blase about it or not. And the next time it comes around, it does make it more important. And as Nat Ma- Ma- Mash was saying earlier, you know, teams like Ireland are being disrespected, and it's not just by us, by the whole world cricket establishment. We're paying how many tests? Six tests? Over Six next, tests in the over next, next two, three, years. two years. I mean, that's absurd. They should be playing six seven tests a year yeah I, I said last year and I wasn't the only one you know every team touring England in the summer should, be, should yeah, play should a test play against Ireland. Ireland I agree Absolutely. 100% and every team that plays and in, plays the, against the, India <coughs> in India should play a test against Afghanistan now, the funny thing is if every team test that came <laughs> every test team coming here to play us in the summer played a test against India that would against be a Ireland. warm up against, against Ireland. Ireland that would be a warm up but it wouldn't stay a warm-up for long if Ireland started winning test matches. No, it wouldn't, and that would be good for Ireland. And the and only it, way they can do that is if they play Absolutely. Absolutely. But the, the, principle of, the principle of what you're saying is the warm-up test It's not a warm-up. It's, yeah, it's, it it's not a warm-up test. It's not a warm-up test. It's another test match. It it's is. a test but match. Everyone would see it as a warm-up test match against Ireland so they can get into the whole frame of mind of playing on English wickets or the equivalent before going to play England and England. Okay, and you you're right. If they do, if people, if Ireland start winning against them, people will take more seriously. Ireland will get more test matches. There might be a two-test series instead of a one-test series, and that would be good for the game. But that's how it initially be seen. And, and similarly for teams, if they, when they go into India, play a test match against Afghanistan Absolutely. and Beradun, um that would be the same scenario. It would. Uh, I don't think it would be a warm-up test. It would be. It would be another test match. It would be a. I'd see it as a serious examination of technique. For sure. Like, for sure. Things. Like you know, playing bowl, playing Ireland at Malahide on a on a green top in May. Uh, you know, that's a really good examination of your skills, and it's uh, it's really good. Uh, it's good test cricket, and it's good for test cricket. Yeah, absolutely. No, no one's denying that. No one's denying that. It's just uh, the cold hard facts are uh, not necessarily what we'd love them to be. That's all. Unfortunately, yes, we're pretty idealistic here on Guerrilla Cricket, and uh, you know it's our right to be because that's the kind of organisation we are, and it's the kind of change we're trying to uh, to advocate for. Uh, but uh, we're not, you know, we're not finding a lone hand. We're not finding a lone hand by any means, and we know that from all of the messages that we get from you guys out there and a lot of the conversations that we have with people in the cricket world but uh, sadly we don't pull the purse strings but uh, speaking of pulling the purse strings the ICC this week uh, suspended Zimbabwe cricket from uh, the ICC and unlike previous suspensions uh, Nepal and the USA have been mentioned uh, in uh, in dispatches suspended them from ICC tournaments and frozen their funding MASH you've been doing a lot of uh, digging into this story yeah, I think first before going into it, if I just read the, the statements, I think that sets the context 
Um, the ICC met in London last week and, among other things, decided to immediately suspend Zimbabwe for, officially at least, failing to provide a process for free and democratic elections and failing to ensure that there is no government interference in its governance. And, as you've said, Knuckle, ultimately the ICC have pulled all funding from Zimbabwe cricket, suspended uh, Zimbabwe and all its teams um, from playing cricket because Zimbabwe relies on that funding. So I thought initially when they said that Zimbabwe was suspended, it was, oh, Zimbabwe will uh, can play no cricket whatsoever. But the reality is Zimbabwe can't even play domestic cricket because the funding from the ICC was what helped them have a domestic programme in place. So cricket in Zimbabwe has collapsed completely. This isn't just a, a suspension for the Zimbabwe international men and men's and women's team. This is a, a suspension of Zimbabwe cricket. And like and unlike Nepal and the USA, it's not a suspension of this particular board. It's not saying, right, this board can't run things in your country. Get a new board in place with proper structures uh, so you can do this properly, as happened in Nepal, as happened in the USA. The USA founded the new federation, rung along much better lines with much more responsible people in charge, and now the USA has ODI status. But you're right, this is potentially devastating for uh, for cricket in 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 a, in a country that's got a proud cricketing tradition uh, has a massive and vocal fan base and this all this means is that a whole bunch of these cricketers are going to have to find alternative means of playing cricket or drift out of the game it's true uh, but I'll say I mentioned this again sometime I think I, there was an article in the Guardian with Tender Tyburn Tender Tyburn the former test Captain. Uh, captain and it was describing his life after all that happened and then and uh, he was taken into the office by uh, some government minister and basically he was told what he had to do and and, the, oh, and this is his story uh, as told by him in the Guardian and he was shown photographs basically dead bodies by this government minister to toe the line or essentially and I think Zimbabwe's uh, no matter how much you want to criticise or do what I don't know I don't know the full facts but if that's his story and that's six seven years ago and the country is in a absolute turmoil in terms of economics inflation's at 10 million percent you can imagine a bank government that hasn't really uh, sorted itself out since Mugabe has gone if that's or before or before it's just stealing the money that the ICC is doing uh, but they haven't the ICC have no evidence that they've done well that. they don't but this is what the so the ICC the, gov, the government has suspended um, sorry the, the almost like the sports arm of the government has suspended the, the independent cricket board they've suspended them because they believe the independent cricket board is corrupt Zimbabwe players believe the independent cricket board is corrupt now, the ICC hasn't officially said it, but in suspending Zimbabwe, you have to read between the lines and assume they don't want the government to get any of the ICC funding. Money. But at what? But they haven't provided any evidence to say that's what the government was going to do or that's what they have done. No. No. <laughs> but we're in a difficult we're in a difficult situation here because I believe government should interfere in cricket boards if boards are being. And the, I'll tell you why in a second, if boards are being run in a corrupt manner, and the reason why I say it is because until Dave Cameron was ousted um, in the elections in the Caribbean and Ricky Skerritt became the new head of Cricket West Indies, the uh, CARICOM, the Union of um, Caribbean Nations and Islands, were trying to do the exact same thing. And they were going to Dave Richardson at the ICC and saying, look at how this guy is running cricket. There is a 
as a private um, as a as as a private setup, Cricket West Indies is not running a public interest in anybody's interest. It's just for people to fill their coffers. Wow, we yeah. want this board to be sus- uh, to be suspended and us set up an independent board that actually runs cricket for the and, for the benefit and of, yet, the, of the people. This is all quite public. This is all quite well known. It's well known to even people who aren't experts at West Indies cricket, like yourself. And yet, no ICC sanction. The BCCI yeah. is currently part run by a Supreme Court administered, appointed rather, uh, board of administrators. No ICC sanction. Imran Khan, the new the Prime Minister of Pakistan, said just this weekend that he wants uh, that he will put into, in place a plan for Pakistan to be a world class team. Him as Prime Minister, no yeah. political interference. In Sri Lanka, the uh, the sports minister has been effectively a de facto selector for a very long time. The president is the patron of the board yeah. and that has been going on for a very long time. No ICC sanction. In Bangladesh we've heard stories of, uh, of late night phone calls between uh, the Prime Minister and, uh, and various people in uh, the Bangladesh Cricket Administration to the extent that uh, during the last Asia Cup two players were brought into the squad without the knowledge of the coach or the chairman of selectors or the captain. No, no ICC interference. Afghanistan the uh, we have the situation where Osgar Afghan is removed from the captaincy. Rashid Khan, who was one of the people appointed as, cap- as a captain in his place, and now captain of all formats, but at the time just T20 captain, is publicly tweeting the president of the country, the prime minister of the country, and the head of the security forces to try and get the decision reversed. No ICC interference. What makes Zimbabwe different? I think the ICC have just had enough in general of Zimbabwe. I think, and that's the, the so that's the right so then. what 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 Bear was relating to earlier on in terms of if we go back to never mind to tender Taibu, go all the way back to two thousand three four. Flower and, and if you if you haven't read it, I I stress to everyone read Henry Alonga's book Blood, Sweat, and Treason um, to to go back and remind yourself of what was going on in Zimbabwe cricket um, at the start at the start of two thousand. Do you remember when Zimbabwe were a genuinely yep, difficult test team, team to, yeah, yeah, they were. to 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 beat? Um, good players and. That team was decimated, obviously due to the the, the government conflicts in Zimbabwe, and they've never really recovered. So I suspect that what this is 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 the ICC essentially saying, "We've had enough. Either get your house in order, yeah, or and or yeah. you're suspended." But then, yeah. on the flip side to that, what about Zimbabwe cricket? So all this generation of Zimbabwe players now what? Well, be, well the, the better ones, the Secunda Razas of this world, I'll uh, go T20 leagues. Um, but not everyone will be able to do that. We saw, we've seen it already. Blessing Muzrabani after the uh, last year is now a, a Colpac player playing in playing in the United Kingdom. And you know you can't blame people for wanting to have a career, no. particularly not when uh, when your national board is suspended. And you know we may see a, an influx of Zimbabwean-born players and Zimbabwe internationals into country, as we've already been seeing for a long time. Yeah, Murray Goodwin had a very long career in uh, in England with yeah. Sussex we've seen Sean Craig Irving Sean Irving we've seen Craig Irving we've, we may see Sean Williams do the same thing Graham Creamer perhaps Brendan Taylor's uh, had a, quite a long career for not and we will see some of those players but what happens it's not just this current generation of internationals what happens to the people who are trying to make it what yes, happens to the yeah, women's yeah, team what happens yeah. to the youth team we've already seen actually well, a few of Zimbabwe's women were withdrawn from an ICC global development 11 because they're Essentially, they're being sponsored by the by their their, rep- their nominees of their governing body, which now effectively doesn't exist as far as the ICC is concerned. And so, all of that infrastructure 
and all of the possibilities for that infrastructure disappears overnight. Well, it does, and I, you know, I feel sorry for them. Um, but you, I, I can also imagine the situation. Look, my wife's Kenyan. We all know that. Uh, I've been there. That's a corrupt country. Uh, I imagine uh, Zimbabwe is much worse. I mean, we all see it. Maybe we see it one-eyed from an English perspective. Da -da 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 -da. But I mean, it's it's a fucking bent country, and if nothing's getting down there, are you better off? Uh, supporting that regime or are you better off trying to I mean this is going deeper into politics I suppose but are you better off trying to free the country of what basically a dictatorship for the last 30 years and, and, and something good coming out of that so this what you're talking about in a, in a cricketing point of view is putting into place a plan or a pathway or a structured redevelopment program to try and get Zimbabwean cricket run along better it lines only, it relies on the, on the country uh, institutions to be fair to to be able for that to be free and fair and, and maybe it isn't the case down there that that is the case but that, that uh, the ICC has also you've got to remember a bloody private company at the end of the day it's a it private decides, members club yeah, exactly and it decides what it wants to do when it wants and to do this is and why this the, is why yeah. I was asking that question mm. what is different Zimbabwe aren't in the club yes and they're not a favoured nation they're not uh, a, an established cricketing nation they're not a financial superpower and they're not a rising force like Afghanistan yeah. are the ICC can do this because they, they can, can get away with it yes, basically um, and my worry actually I say when the also the question here is I mean uh, the Zimbabwe government I don't think will matter that much apart from the, for them personally uh, they're more interested in power and holding on to power so uh, yeah, and I feel sad in that sense that no one's going to really stand up for Zimbabwe cricket well, the, the, the key question now for me is let's, let, let's, let's look forward. Let's say a year from now they're reinstated again. Um, I said, I can't remember if I said it on Twitter or to someone, I said now Zimbabwe should be relegated to associate status. And I don't mean that as a like, oh, go down to that level because you're no good. What I mean is how can you rebuild? If, if they let them back in and then just go back to full member status, for what? How is that helping their cricket? It, they, uh, arguably... At associate level, playing in World Cricket League Division One, they get more games. Yeah, I think that's better. For they them. get they, there's a there's a proper structure in place for the top of associate cricket. Although there's some interesting developments actually in associate cricket. Um, Bertus de Jong, who's a Dutch cricket journalist, is very good uh, to follow in these kind of things. There's a power grab in place in associate cricket by the lower ranked associate nations, the ones who don't get much of the ICC development funds. They want the system to be run more, less on a performance basis and on a more redistributive basis. Mm. So, uh, the the Netherlands representative on the on the board that um, is kind of looks out for associate interests at the ICC has already been ousted. The same may happen with uh, one of Cricket Scotland's representatives quite soon. Uh, and essentially, what this may mean is that some of the targeted of development of the top associate nations might not accelerate quite as much as it has done. This may mean uh, which that some of the lower-ranked associate nations, uh, some of the, the less established associate nations, get better quicker. But Bertus calls it in his piece a sort of uh, what does he call it? A democratized mediocrity was his his phrase, and that's a bit of a worry. But that's a, a little bit of a side point from the Zimbabwe thing. It might well be better because they'd actually play a, a cricket in a more structured manner, and rather than having to rely on you know one test a year mm. against vastly superior opposition, uh, not vastly superior in a sense of Zimbabwe aren't good cricketers, but you can't expect people to, com to compete when the infrastructure has been decimated. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. It's it's a really sad situation, and um, Mash, I think you're right. The ICC are doing this because they can get away with it. But there's no sense of 
what we're talking about here is like a structured plan of how to get the ice of how to get Zimbabwe cricket or how to get cricket in Zimbabwe run by an organisation that is worthy of that great task. Well, that that requires in, in, internal work in Zimbabwe, and I don't think I mean the ICC as an external organisation is going to find that bloody hard to go into a country and actually dictate what happens when you have a government structure that's so bent. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, that's that almost unrealistic to expect that to happen. It may be, and Zimbabwe has, you know, like uh, like a lot of countries around the world, dealing with the the legacies of colonialism and the uh, and oh, the yeah. and the fact that you know deliberately um, corrupt or autocratic regimes were put in place, and many of them have just entrenched over time, and the institutions and the the public trust in institutions in uh, in the, the colonized nations was decimated through the colonial era, and it takes longer than a generation or two to rebuild and Zimbabwe's done a worse job of it than, than many others have but uh, um, it's, a, it's a sad development for those of us who love, who love cricket around the world and we uh, I think we should welcome those Zimbabwean cricketers who want to who are able to make a living and want to make a living uh, around the world with open arms because uh, it's, no, it's, it's a it'd be it's crying a tough, it's a tough life it'd be, it'd be a crying shame if that many if uh, cricketers from that nation uh, were uh, were lost to the game, the game's small enough already uh, I, at the top I, level. I certainly. agree entirely. Yeah, I was going to add a final point, but I think I'll I think I'll just leave that out for now. I think you've kind of I think we've said what we need to say for now, and we just have to watch how this story how this story unfolds. Because as usual, as we always say on comms, at a time when the game should be growing, we always seem to have a story about it somehow shrinking, yeah. um, and that's what's upsetting to me on a, on a kind of wider scale read the Zimbabwe story absolutely um, a couple of people to follow on Twitter for this Bertus de Jong have already mentioned and Liam Brickhill who is Crick Info's uh, man in Southern Africa uh, moving on uh, moving back up the, uh, the pyramid as it were back up to the very top of the pyramid and the man who for so long sat at the very top of the very top of the pyramid uh, India's former captain India's uh, wicketkeeper of many many years standing and uh, but uh, uh, now uh, making a slightly uh, left field move. Only the That's the way you tonight. From uh, wicketkeeper in the World Cup semi-final to Lieutenant Colonel. MS Dhoni was made an honorary Lieutenant Colonel in the Indian Territorial Army shortly after the 2011 World Cup. And uh, we understand we'll miss the West Indies tour to take up a two-month stint with his Territorial Army Regiment. So Risha Pump has been named as the sole wicketkeeper in both the ODI and T20 squads. He and, and uh, Rhythm and Saha have been named as test keepers in the test squad. Is this the BCCI trying to find a graceful exit for someone who is too powerful for them, for them to push? Before, before, before you um, properly go into it, fear. I just want to say that I actually thought it was a joke. So, Knuckle, you will confirm that I had been told this earlier this week, and I thought it was a joke. And then I came in today and said, "You have you heard that he's gonna be in the army?" I expect you to go, "Yeah, that's just someone trolling." So, I, just, even before we get into what the BCI, BCCI are trying to do, I find I find this story bizarre to say the least it, it's something that could only really happen in India maybe Pakistan intensely militarized and intensely political societies where everything is political uh, there's 
there's massive links uh, even more tightly now between the BCCI and the Indian government. Uh, the the BCCI is to a large extent the reputation laundering arm of the Modi government. Uh, it's you can see why a nationalist government would want to uh, to push uh, to want to piggyback on the reputation uh, and the power of the BCCI as the financial superpower of world cricket. It's a massive propaganda tool, and some of the players have been dragged into this. You know, Virat Kohli fronts nationwide clean-up litter campaigns, and uh, you only have to look at India, the Indian cricketers' tweets shortly after Narendra Modi got elected uh, to see that uh, the idea of uh, the idea in England that we have is that cricketers are fairly insulated from politics. That is very much not the case in India. I was quite shocked when you told me that, actually. Uh, but going back to Dhoni, uh, is it pushing him out? Uh, or is it? Or is it? It's avoiding pushing him out by letting him set yes, the agenda. Say more that, yeah. Well, to a degree, um, uh, much in a way that England have let off players from this test. I guess they're looking at a series. And I sorry, I say this, Mash. Uh, you know, India again, another big, powerful cricket nation. Looking at uh, the West Indies, who, although they beat England recently, some would say are weaker than they have been for a long time. Uh, and India going, oh, we've got to go and do another, you know, this is this is in the calendar because we're doing this, that and the other. Uh, who wants a break? You want a break? He's probably going to retire anyway pretty soon. He's not in the T20 side, so the World T20 is next year. He's not going to play that. Next World Cup is in 2020. Well, he's not going to play the next 50 over World Cup. Uh, exactly. I, I so it's time I would have thought that the 2020 World Cup might well have been his swan song. I but think that, yeah. I, I thought he wasn't in the T20 No, he was. Anymore. He's been in and out of it, but he was in it last time. Well, if he bats like he does in a one-day game, then he can't bloody play in the T20. He had a very good, he's had a very good IPLs. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, but he does that whole bloody thing. We're going to single, 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 and he ticks off the last ball. Can I, can, I, can I disagree here? Because normally I agree, I'd agree and say it's because it's the West Indies and they just see it as an easy series to get through. Normally I would agree with that. However, two things make me disagree. One, the West Indies have become resurgent at home. Not away, but at True. home. Well, actually, at home we are a problem. Quite to, creditably to in India in October. Yeah, certainly in the old, certainly certainly in the old yeah, yeah, series yeah, yeah. as well. So one, the West Indies are resurgent at home in Test Match Cricket. And two, I d- I'm not convinced Dhoni's actually any good anymore. No, that's harsh, right? Let me no, rephrase that. I'm not convinced Dhoni warrants selection at the age of, what is he, 37? 38. 38, now. when you have Pant coming through. I think at some point, when we were talking about Chris Gale in the green room earlier on today, at some point, as a cricketer, you have to realise you are in the way of youngsters. Yeah. And I'm not saying Dhoni must go now completely I'd probably give him a swan song in the uh, 2020 World Cup I think the World Cup was supposed to be the bloody it should have been it was supposed to be the swan song you can't tell me that Pan isn't the future and deserves his chance now arguably he's the present yeah well yeah Yeah. actually yeah sorry let me tell you about Pan not playing Pan now is holding him back yeah I mean there's an argument that you fit Pant in as a specialist batsman and have Dhoni keeping because Dhoni's still a fantastic wicket keeper true good point Um, good point whether you can fit them both into a T20 side, I think India would like to find a way to do that if possible. I, I can imagine the conversation happening where the selectors get together and say, right, we, can't, we couldn't drop him before the World Cup. It's too big a story. Mm. Yeah. Mm. With everything else that's going on, it's too big a story. And we like his leadership. We like him around the team. And Virat Kohli likes him around the team, I'm sure. In fact, we know this. Yeah. And he possibly reigns Kohli in. Yes, Possibly. I'm sure. Uh, and there are other people who can do that. Rohit Sharma is another one, but uh, MS Dhoni is certainly the biggest influence in that regard. 
but we now have to look to the next cycle to this the uh, the next the two year cycle up to the 2020 uh, men's T20 World Cup in Australia uh, in uh, October November 2020 and then uh, to the to the 2023 World Cup in India. Dhoni's clearly not going to last to 2023 in the 50 over format. Arguably, he may never play another Rwanda international again for India. In the T20, I think there's a uh, there's a genuine question to be to be raised about whether he does. Uh, well, you know, play. India have rested a few players in that T20 squad. Jaspreet Bumrah is not playing in that series. Uh, Hardik Pandya is injured, but you know, maybe could have played, but probably, probably injured. Um, Kuldeep Yadav is not playing in that uh, in that series. Neither is Isvendra Chahal. But you know, Kohli's still playing. Shikhar Dhawan's still playing. Rohit Sharma's still playing. Uh, there's there's a lot of India do use T20 the T20 sponsors development but you know now I think for, it's steady diet of T20 between now and the, and the T20 World Cup India are going to want to firm up their 11 and their 15 for that tournament probably in the next probably by the end of this year probably before and I wonder if that conversation has been had where people have said the time has come to move beyond MS Dhoni but we cannot create such a stink we are not in a strong enough position as a selectoral panel to create that much of a stink we have this way out where MS Dhoni can be seen to be in charge of the agenda. Let's take it. Yeah, to a certain degree, you may be right. But as you just pointed out, I mean, the thing is, India has such the depth uh, in, in possible players. I mean, it, they have the IPL, which is the greatest uh, T20 competition in the world. And they're going into the T20 World Cup next year. There's plenty of people they can choose from. And Dhoni may be on the way out. And I, you know what? I'm not sure that Dhoni's not thinking about himself about retirement as well. The problem is when you've been at the top, and I guess you're worshipped as an idol in India, and certainly in the way that Root isn't worshipped in England, it's difficult to give up that. Um, but there has to be a mechanism of getting out. I think he probably realises it. I mean, it can't have been not open discussion on, on I'd imagine, on social media for the last yeah. two or three oh, years uh, in India. Th- Dhoni uh, is very much not on social media. Yeah, he's very true, but it'll, but it'll all get back yeah, to him. No, you know, no, one, no, one, no one's... I don't know, think, I think as, a, as a professional athlete, like... You know when he ends, you. He, I think MS Dhoni's smart enough to know that. He's a very smart cricketer. He's a very self-aware cricketer, although he is also very stubborn. And why wouldn't you be when he's won as much as he has? And he'll oh, retire exactly. with an incredible record yeah. and an incredible legacy for Indian cricket that he Absolutely. will he will have been a major force in opening up England, Indian cricket to beyond the traditional cricketing centres. So, but but and I think there's an element of not wanting to tarnish that legacy by having it be a little bit like Shivnarayan Chandrapal. People now the leg the. The legacy of Shivnarayan Chandrapal is that he was dropped in acrimonious circumstances and wasn't given a chance to go out on his own terms. Mm, mm. I'm I'm just looking at uh, India's future tour program. So is it that because Dhoni, in, in fairness, in fairness to Dhoni, he deserves the same send off Tendulkar got. I'm not saying he deserves a whole series. Well, created some would for argue his, that Tendulkar went on way too long. Then. Well, well, I agree, you but know. he deserves a send off of some sort. Well, I think he so, has had a send off. I don't think that no, you know, they didn't win the World Cup. Here. You can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't always win the World. You're, no, 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 you're no, but, not guaranteed no, 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 to win that, the World I Cup. I mean, just a send off in his home, <laughs> in his home if, state, etc. If you buy the argument that any cricketer deserves a send off, and there's a little bit of me which thinks that. You know, the Tendulkar's quest for the hundredth hundred went on way too long. Was a little bit depressing. Yeah. You know, it all got forgotten in the in the wash of his incredible career. And but you know, we've seen this before with Alistair Cook and Steve Waugh and a few others. Uh, but it can, if it goes on too long, it can kind of overtake the whole occasion. Right, it did. I mean, right. When, when so Cookie retired. We had how many fucking standing ovations? Yeah, admittedly. Right. Ridiculous. Okay. So look at this. After the West Indies series, India have three home series coming up: two Test series, 
and then what they end Christmas again because obviously West Indies are India's bitches so we have to play them whenever they say so there's a home series against South Africa three tests October to November then November to December they play a home series against Bangladesh two tests three T20s then December home series against the West there's Indies there's ODIs and T20s on the South Africa tour as well I mean MS okay. Dhoni is well, so is well, well to... retired from test cricket now right so all I'm saying is okay in that case then the th- uh, he picks one of those series in terms of 2020s or ODIs and says that's it I'm done but he wants it to be on home territory he? yeah uh, that's and, what I mean he may well want it to be games. in his home city of Ranchi I don't know that's, if there's some scheduling fun. that they can do to I haven't seen where the Bangladesh games are being are taking place but uh, the uh, there isn't going to be a one day game in Ranchi or a T20 game in Ranchi on the South Africa tour because my argument is if he doesn't do it in one of those three he might as well quit now then because you're not going to get a perfect... That's where Group Beer. There's no perfect scenario where you go, well, this is where you can go, unless the plan is he's going to the 2020 World Cup. I reckon that's probably in talks, and they're probably going, right, well, you know, when do you want to retire? Well, this is why I propose the theory, and it is only a theory, you know, I don't know, I'm not in the know, I'm not claiming to be ITK, but that MS Dhoni has been given a graceful exit on his own terms, and, you know... We may end up seeing that, you know, MS Dhoni suddenly decides to quietly retire on his own terms midway through his army stint. Yeah. And then, you know, he pops up mm, in a commentary true. box somewhere. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, you know, it would be very... It's it never going to be the end, is it? I mean, that's the thing. And now the fucking gravy train is... Uh, Dhoni isn't... There's no way that Dhoni isn't going to be on some comms team for Star getting paid millions... I'm ne- saying politics, is, possibly. Is, well, well, he's, possibly well I mean, yes, he's, he's been tapped up as a potential... Uh, as a potential parliamentary candidate before, um, and he may well be again. We've seen this. Uh, we've seen Mushafir Murtaza in Bangladesh as a sitting MP right now, while captaining uh, the Bangladesh Bangladesh ODI and T20 teams. Um, that may well be a role, and we've seen people combine those roles before. Sachin Tendulkar is a sitting, or was at least a sitting member of the upper house. Mohammad Azharuddin was a sitting member of Parliament uh, after his ban, and we've seen other cricketers do this. Najat Singh Sidhu. Uh, was a sitting MP while also being a commentator. But India, you know, the the, you know, the joke is there's no such thing as uh, there's no term for conflict of interest in Hindi, is the old joke. But uh, uh, yeah, don't be surprised if that happens. And you know, MS Dhoni may, you know, he's got a great cricketing brain. Maybe he'll be great. Maybe he'll be terrible. Who knows? Mm. But yeah, you know, staff for them it doesn't matter. It's MS Dhoni, and you know, maybe he ends up on someone's coaching staff somewhere. But you're right, he'll stay in cricket. One would imagine he'll be. Will be sought after to stay in cricket. Absolutely. Um, you don't want to. You don't discard a name like that so quickly. But I think as a player, I think there's an element of there's a huge element of wanting it to look like his decision, and not wanting to create a stink where there doesn't need to be a stink. And that might be the transition for this to become truly Virat Kohli's team in the ODI and T20 format, as it has become in the Test team. Now, whether that's a good thing or not is another mm, question. Well, <laughs> Look at the way uh, does it, is it Rajasthan Royals, isn't it? The Royal Challengers, oh, Bangalore. Royal Challengers, Bangalore. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, they're yeah. a shambles. They're a shambles. <laughs> they're a shambles, but the, the test teams um, made strides under yeah, him. But, but that's true. And, that's true. you know, we don't know who India's next head coach is going to be. Um, we think Mike Hessen, the former New Zealand coach, has applied. There's, uh, there's open applications for that. So, you know, and that might be a good thing for Virat Kohli. I think, you know, a less combative... Uh, bombastic coach than Ravi Shastri, someone who can rein in his slightly more um, ambitious and uh, pugnacious impulses, might be a good thing. But uh, these are there's so many questions around Indian cricket. You know, India cricket is the superpower, but it's not without its questions. It's not without no. its uh, its open points of discussion. But uh, 
my theory is that MS Tony is being given a graceful exit. The I, think there's, I think there's, there's uh, I think you're right. The political, the the English political equivalent is sort of being given a peerage. Yeah, mm. that wouldn't surprise me at all. You know what? He probably deserves it. So MS Tony being possibly gratefully sent upstairs. Zimbabwe cricket being disgracefully torpedoed. And Ireland and England fighting out at uh, a sun-baked lords for supremacy. And there's this little thing called the Ashes coming up. Yeah. Plenty happening in the world of cricket as ever. And we'll be here to bring you all of it. We'll be back uh, for uh, the remainder of this Ireland-England test. And the Ashes. Every single ball live here on GorillaCricket.com. On Gorilla.Cricket slash YouTube is the URL you need to punch in. Uh, that's uh, the Gorilla Cricket 2 channel on YouTube. And on Crick Tracker. Just remains for me to thank Mashals and Patrick Hewitt. Thank you very much. To thank the Bear. Yeah, thank you. To thank producer John Stone and to thank you for listening. Remember, you can get the podcast before anyone else at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Gorilla Cricket. Uh, and it's all on public platforms Podbean, iTunes, Acast, and Spotify. But until next time, from everyone here at the Gorilla Cricket Podcast, it's goodbye. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.